Hello friends and welcome to the Legacy Homeschool Reflections podcast, where we discuss topics pertaining to homeschooling, being women of the word, and living in light of eternity. So whether you are single, married, or whatever your season of life, I pray you will find hope in Christ and encouragement from His word. I'm your host, Ruth Adams, and I'm so glad you are here. Friends, I am so, so sorry. I just need to pop on here before I begin the episode and say I am so sorry for the sound quality. I tried to record this episode sitting outside of a Bucky's gas station and I had no idea how much noise was being recorded in the background. So at times you're going to hear roaring sounds where vehicles were nearby and there's kind of a a low murmur throughout it. You can still hear me clearly, but the sound quality is embarrassing, and I am so sorry for that. I will try to do better. I just was away from my house, and I thought, oh, I'll record a podcast when the family's not around, but the sound quality with the vehicles was terrible, Um, but you can still understand what I'm saying. So thank you for your patience with me on that, and I will try to do better. Hello friends and welcome back to the podcast. I thought I would this week just kind of continue on with my topic from last week about decluttering and share kind of how progress has been going. The Lord allowed me to have two days this last week where I was able to really focus on the goal of decluttering. One day my children went to my mother's house and I was able to have several hours in the afternoon to just declutter and I think I filled up six or seven garbage bags like you know the black kitchen garbage bags and um, lots of trash bags full of just trash paper scraps mail things like that from around the house and so that was really a gift to have that afternoon and to be able to really hit it hard and then on Sunday my daughter wasn't feeling well and so I stayed home and I was able to continue some decluttering at that time and I have just been on this journey for quite a while I feel like I'm always putting things aside to get rid of. I have a bag in my closet that is for our local donation center and I have a bag for donations that I want to take to church and then on you know just little trinket things I'm often just throwing those things in the trash if they're broken or not worth anything and so I am continuing to try to declutter my house. So this journey is a long one of you know trying to declutter my house and it has taken many years to get to the point of accumulating everything that we have in our home and so it is also going to take time to take things out of our home now i think that there's quite a shift happening in the way that i'm thinking about things and i share some of that with you last week 
and I want to continue to kind of unpack that some, just new ways of thinking about possessions and clutter, things that are helping me to let go of things. And I just want to be so honest here and say, if you were to come to my house right now, you would still see a lot of clutter um, because we have nine people living in our home and we're homeschooling and we have ministry endeavors and craft endeavors and you know, homesteading skills going on with canning jars and we have a huge library of books and we have farm equipment, farm animals. And so um, this is just trying to let go of things that are hindering productivity and hindering a feeling of peace and calmness in the home, trying to get it pared down to where things do not seem overwhelming or cluttered and just trying to learn and to do better I think about 1 Corinthians 14 that says God is not a God of disorder but of peace and so I am trying to create a more peaceful environment in my home I also want to be able to be more hospitable and it's hard to be hospitable if it's going to take you know a ginormous effort to get the house picked up for people to come over and so I'm just trying to kind of find that sweet spot I'm not wanting to be a minimalist that only has you know seven pieces of clothing in my closet nothing like that I'm just realizing that now that we have seven children we have been parenting 21 years we've had a lot of time to gather a lot of you know items into our home I'm trying to take a hard look at what we need to keep what needs to stay what is serving our family and what we can eliminate so that the environment is less work to keep it all rolling to keep productivity happening to make things feel peaceful and not to feel that I just can't get on top of things. So some of the things that have happened this week, I would say I probably cleared out maybe 10 to 12 trash bags full of stuff and a lot of trash for the bins outdoors. And it's such a good and a freeing feeling. I recognize that really, and um, I have been decluttering pretty hard for months and I can't think of anything that I've thought, oh man, I'm really missing that. I wish I had not donated that. And so that kind of gives me the freedom to realize I'm probably not going to miss this stuff once I let go of it. Now, this last week, since I recorded the last podcast, I have focused on several things I wanted to talk about. One issue in my kitchen, I have a small kitchen. And if you've been listening, you know we are currently trying to build out our carport area into a large family size kitchen. But right now, I'm still in the small kitchen. And since I like to can food, we have mason jars. You know a ton of mason jars every time we open a new jar of fruit or something we've got another empty mason jar and so these pile up very quickly in my cupboards or in my pantry and can be quite problematic and so this week I kind of just resigned to the fact that I probably at this point 
need to just go ahead and give over one full cabinet to the mason jars as well as having them up on the highest shelf in the pantry and move mugs and drinking glasses to another shelf and just go ahead and accept it that my mason jars are going to take up this three-tiered your know, three-shelf um, cabinet and just be okay with that for now i'm hoping with the new kitchen and the pantry in the new kitchen to have a wall of that pantry just covered in shelves that are specifically sized for mason jars but for right now i have to do something because the mason jars are just everywhere we turn so that was one thing i did a lot of decluttering of clothes this week and that's really hard for me used to i would think in terms of will we wear this again or will the next child down wear this in two or three years and things like that um and it's hard to pay money for things and then to think well maybe this item didn't get used as much as i thought it should and maybe we can get some more use out of it i've learned with my own clothes to really just kind of say okay how much am i loving this shirt or this skirt or this dress how how often am i turning to this item if it's only maybe once or twice a year i'm trying to get rid of those kinds of items i do have limited clothes space in my closet and it's really stressful to me to go into the closet and to have to try to wedge you know my arms in between the clothes to see what I want to wear it's so much easier when the clothes move about freely on the rod and I can push them around now last year one thing that I did that made a big difference is I got rid of all the big chunky plastic hangers and I got those really slimline um, kind of like uh, would you say felt covered or fuzzy covered hangers that are very thin and trim and that really helps to be able to get more clothes into the closet because the chunky hangers are not taking up the space and so i love those and i actually went to those for my closet and for my girls clothes and it really does help um but my girls they have so many clothes we love to go thrift store shopping in Ohio and we find the most adorable shirts and tops and dresses and things in Ohio for next to nothing. And so we go, um, you know, at least I go three or four times a year and they go maybe once or twice a year. So when there with me we do a lot of thrifting and even when they're not with me I'm still looking for things for them to bring back to them so with five girls and passing down a lot of the clothes we've just ended up with so so this has become a problem because every time we go for the fun of it they want to go thrifting and find new clothes that they love but then we really don't need the clothes because we have so many but i want to go have the fun shopping trip with my girls and create those memories and i just went up and was looking at their clothes situation and was just shocked how many clothes we've accumulated and again i think it's because i have five daughters and if a clothing item is still in good shape we just passed it down passed it down passed it down 
plus continue to get new clothes. Plus our church has a sharing table and they will find clothes on the sharing table. And so I was thinking, okay, we have another trip to Ohio coming up. So we're going to be thrifting again and we need to get rid of some of this. And so I was looking through and thinking, okay, you know, obviously some things have rips and tears and stains or they're worn or the shirt you know, knit is kind of balled up. Those things are obvious. But then there's other things that I paid for, but they didn't wear that much and they aren't wearing it that much. And it's just taking up space. Or maybe it was something like a Christmas dress that got worn a few times or something. Do I really need to hold on to that when someone else could be benefiting from it? And when I let go of it, it frees up space so we can go have the fun shopping trip again. And some of these things, you know, may have cost me a dollar or two as we found such incredible prices thrifting. And so the, the cost of the fun time and the memory that we had together is worth a few dollars, you know, in letting someone else be blessed. So that's a, a different way of thinking than in the past when I thought, oh, we can still get wear out of this. Oh, this can still be used. But I'm trying to think, what is it costing me to hold on to any item in my house? The maintenance, the constantly having to pick it up, the having too many clothes so that my children can go through a whole lot of clothes and get them dirty and then we're just piled high with laundry or um, anything, you know, kitchen gadgets. If there's so many gadgets in the drawer that I can't really find the gadget that I need, if it's something that I'm not using that much, maybe I should let go of it. And another thing that I've been thinking about is if it's a lower priced item, like I could replace it in 10 or $20, maybe a lot of times I've hesitated to get rid of something because I've thought, oh, we might need it. But then what if I need it three to five years down the road and it may cost me 10 or $20 to replace it? Maybe that would probably be a small percentage of the items I'm donating. Probably most of the things that I'm donating I'll never need them again. But if something comes about that I think, oh, I used to have this, now I have a need for it. Well, if I've had three or five years where I have benefited from not having to give, you know, real estate of my house to that item, and I have not had to manage that item, and I have not had the mental stress of clutter, I think it's worth that 10 or $20 that I may have to pay again to replace it. And as I said last week, I know how to get good deals. I know where there are wonderful thrift stores. And so there's a lot available at our fingertips. And so these changes in the way I'm thinking are, are really helping me to let go of stuff. I used to think about my stuff in certain terms. And I do still, you know, I, I, I don't have this mastered. I'm on a journey, but I'm trying to think, what is it going to cost me to keep this item? Just the maintenance of this item? Are my children going to be constantly, um, you know, making a mess with this item? One example, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but I have this three tiered uh, tray that people decorate these trays. Um, for the different holidays and things with all these cute little knickknacks and all and there's just like you can find all kinds of YouTube videos about decorating trays for 
spring and for fall and for Christmas. And so I have this ginormous um, three-tiered tray that I bought at Sam's or Costco years ago. And I had it on the kitchen counter and my children were constantly throwing things on the tray as a catch-all, like throwing a writing pen or throwing a hair twisty or, um, you know, some mismatched game piece or something or a safety pen. And so I was constantly feeling frustrated that this was supposed to be for a decor purpose and I was constantly having to empty the tray of all this miscellaneous stuff. So I finally took the tray away and I put it in my closet for a while and I thought maybe I'd sell it on Marketplace or something. I never really did. I pulled it back out during Christmas and used it kind of on a hot cocoa stand in our kitchen. but. Right now, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it, but I know for that time and place, the best thing was just taking it away because it was catching clutter and junk. And then I was actually feeling frustrated with my family. Like, don't you know this is for decor? Don't you know this is so I can decorate it and make it pretty? And I'm trying to put these little decorations on here and you're throwing your writing pen on it, you know? And so it was, it was causing some frustration and the best thing for me was just to realize that cute three-tiered tray was not serving the purpose that I intended for it and for a season at least if not permanently I may get rid of it um it was the best thing ever to just get rid of it so to take it away and so I hope I'm being clear here where I'm just trying to think in different terms about these things. I think it's important that our possessions serve us and that we don't serve our possessions. So if it's taking all we have just to manage the stuff, eliminating some things will take some things off of our plate. And that's the point that I'm at. I'm not trying to become a minimalist. I love my holiday decorations. Um, there's, I'm sentimental. I, I'm just trying to kind of do damage control of what the years have piled up in a large homeschooling family with a lot of different hobbies, ministries, and things like that, and just get things to where, um, it, I guess another thing would be like in a cabinet or a drawer, I'm trying to have things so that the drawer doesn't stick when we open or close it because there's too much jam-packed in there or when I open a cabinet things aren't falling out because it's disorganized I just don't want that stress in my life and so learning to have margin in the space that I have to work with and to have things where I can find them and so I guess that's a little bit of an update I was really encouraged the other day, um, well it was Sunday when my husband had been away to church with the family and I was at home with my youngest daughter. I had rearranged the couches because for Christmas we always have to sort of rearrange our couch situation to decorate. So I put them back in a different order and I vacuumed the floor and you know as we've been taking away the decorations. the look of the clutter has gone away and I feel like my house is 
as people will say, let the house breathe, you know, after the holidays, I'm tired of the decorations and the clutter and I'm ready for the house to breathe. It really felt that way. And so Sunday night, my husband came in and he said, wow, the house looks so much better. Thank you. And on Monday, it felt like every time I walked into the family room, I was just like, oh, this is just life giving and peaceful. It doesn't look all cluttered and it was more open with the new way I put the couches and it was just refreshing and renewing. And so that is my goal in all of this. So those are some of the updates of what's been happening in our house. And I'm excited for the wisdom that the Lord is giving me. James says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And so I am grateful that the Lord is showing me some of these things and helping me to learn to think differently than the thought patterns that I've had in the past. I pulled off a very old book off of my shelf. It's by Elizabeth Elliot and it's called The Shaping of a Christian Family. And chapter 14 in this book is called A Habit of Order. And Elizabeth was explaining about her heritage and the way that she grew up in this book. And I thought I would just share some of it with you. She said, our home was orderly. The grass was trimmed, the porch swept, wagons, bicycles, and sleds put away in the garage, school books, shoes, papers, or toys, did not adorn the front hall or the living room. Towels were hung straight in the bathroom. The crisp linen doilies and dresser covers, which my mother liked, were always clean. A perfect home, was it? Of course not. It could not have been impeccable at all times. But this is my impression in that of others who remember our home at all. All of, as a child, I took it for granted. But later, when I came home from boarding school or college, it hit me as soon as I entered the front hall, the freshness, the neatness, the sense of things being placed. This was a visible sign of an invisible reality. Our parents believed in a God of order, creator of a universe arranged in an orderly fashion, each thing in its appointed spot. When God gave instructions to Moses about the tabernacle, he said, Thou shalt bring in the table and set in order the things that are to be set in order upon it. And thou shalt bring in the candlestick and light the lamps thereof. And thou shalt set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony. And so on, page after page, showing the Lord's love of order. Moses did just what he was told. He put the table in the tent of the congregation and he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord. Elizabeth goes on in this chapter. She says an ordered home means not only an acceptance of God's arrangement of authority and a conscientious regard for time, but also making sure that there is a place for everything. If there isn't, it probably means there are too many things. Some things must be got rid of. This requires regular inventory, sorting and discarding or giving away. In our home, there was a place for everything and we understood that everything had to be put in its place. This takes endless repetition. There is no other way to train children. It's much easier for the parents to pick things up themselves than to call the child, show him what he has left lying about 
tell him where to put it, and see that he puts it there, and remind him the next time. Much easier only at the moment, I mean. But I hate nagging, we say, yet nagging is the lesser of two evils. It is a sort of severe mercy, for the parents are sparing themselves endless pains when they take the trouble to teach, and far more importantly, are sparing the children the frustration and confusion of disorder for the rest of their lives. The scripture has a much gentler expression for that ugly word nagging, precept upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, Isaiah 28.10. I use the word nag as it is commonly used today, repeating what the child knows but has forgotten or has not heeded. I don't mean petty fault-finding or persistent scolding. The voice pitch and intonation makes a great difference. A mother who uses a harsh tone is asking for argument and even defiance. She appears as the child's adversary rather than his helper. If she heard a tape recording of her customary tone in speaking to her children, perhaps she would discover the main reason for their stubbornness or for their breakdowns in communication. When mother was working in the kitchen, she cleaned up as she went along. My father's desk was almost completely bare when he was not working at it. There were a blotter, pencil tray with all pencils sharpened and pointing in the same direction, a few books neatly held by bookends, and perhaps a pad of paper, all placed parallel and squared with the corners of the desk. I used to leave things a little cockeyed after I had dusted, just for the amusement of seeing him straighten them, probably subconsciously as soon as he came to the desk. Though we often teased him about this as we grew up, I am quite sure all six of us learned by his example still follow it closely and find our lives enormously simplified as a result. Was it primarily environment or was it heredity that made strong influence us in this regard? I'll leave that one to those better qualified than I to sort it out. But I was fascinated to discover an account of my father's meeting, a man who had been office boy under both my great-grandfather and my great-uncle. The former had him dust all the books in the library every two or three months at 25 cents an hour over time. The latter had him buy a $1 Ingersoll watch and set it every morning at Bailey Banks in Biddle, Philadelphia's famous jewelers. Uncle Charlie was determined to eliminate at least one excuse for the boys coming in a minute or two late. He also had all the pencils sharpened every morning and wiped off with a camoise to remove the lead dust. She goes on to say my father kept his tools on nails in the cellar or garage, each with a neat label over its proper place. Shoes, boots, galoshes, and rubbers were lined up in the bottoms of closets. Drawers were not meant to be a jammed jumble. We could find the can opener. The mending ta scotch tape had not been invented. The paper clips, the stamps or scissors because they were in the drawers where they belonged. If they weren't, it was the fault of one of us and we heard about it. It was a long, hard business learning to keep our own drawers as neat as theirs. But how thankful we are for the habit of uncluttered efficiency. It established in all of us, I think, for life. Recently, my oldest brother Phil visited us and I watched him pack his small van for the long haul from Massachusetts to Alberta, Canada. He had built a nifty shelf inside the back door in which he placed suitcases, while small items he would need during the trip were stored underneath. 
On top of the van was a rack on which he arranged the cardboard boxes of family archives he was transporting for me to other family members en route, each box carefully wrapped in plastic and tightly taped. I teased him a bit about being the son of his father in the methodical way he went about the job. But of course, to both of us, there is an inevitability in it. Wouldn't anybody do it this way, we ask? But a look at some of the crazily loaded vehicles one sees on the highways tells us they wouldn't. Well, I hope you enjoyed that reading from Elizabeth Elliot's book, The Shaping of a Christian Family, where she just reminisced about the way her home was as she was growing up. And wow, that's a lot to try to attain to. That seems like so much to try to, you know, reform to those kinds of habits. It sounds just idealistic. And yet, I think we can be challenged and we can all seek to make steps in that direction if we are not um, living with that level of organization. And I know I certainly am not, and I have a lot to learn in this area. I don't mean to make myself sound like, you know, oh, terrible hoarder or something. That's not what I'm saying, but I do feel like I've come to a point in the season of life where less stuff and more organization would really serve me well. And so, um, I feel like the Lord has me on a journey and it's great to learn new skills. It's great that the Lord doesn't give up on us, that he continues to teach us things certainly most importantly about himself and about his word, but practically he continues to work with us on these things. And I know that um, keeping the home is an important part of my calling as a Christian lady. And so I'm thankful the Lord is challenging me and stretching me and growing me and is patient with me. And something like reading about the home that Elizabeth Elliot grew up in is so inspiring. She also said in um, this daily flip calendar of hers that I have in love, Elizabeth said, God wants you to live a life of order and peace. Where there's no order, there is no peace. And so as I've said, my goal in all of this is to create a more peaceful refuge and haven for my family in a life-giving environment. I want to walk into the rooms of my house and be able to breathe, you know. I want it to be encouraging when I walk in, something that uplifts me instead of seeing piles of messes that burden me because I know I need to get to it and I don't know how I'm going to. And so those are some of the things driving me and, and motivating me and I think sometimes when we're talking about reform in any area of our lives, in areas where we need to do better, we can get discouraged thinking, I'm trying so hard, I'm not seeing all the results I want to see, or in my case, I, I literally think I could take all the toys out of the house and my children would probably make toys out of sticks and rocks and bring that into the house. Like they're going to find a way, <laughs> my younger ones, they are going to find a way to have messes, you know. And so it can feel like, well, what gives, you know, I can't win here. But 
the Lord doesn't want me to be discouraged like that. He wants me to take it one step at a time and do what I can and continue to seek him. And another thing Elizabeth said in her calendar that I think applies, um, she said, what do you want your home to be? What does God want it to be? Waste no time wondering if you can do it. The question is simply, will you? Your weakness is itself a potent claim on the divine mercy. And I love that. Your weakness in itself, a potent claim on the divine mercy. So God wants us to see our neediness for him. And so in areas where we may be weak or not naturally gifted, I don't feel like I am naturally just super organized. I am a visionary. I get all kinds of ideas and, you know, things that I want to do, great things for the Lord. But the practical, just step by step and the the order, the method, the organization, I'm going to struggle more in those areas. That's just the way I'm wired. So my weakness can be a potent claim on the divine mercy. And she used 2 Corinthians 12, 10, when I am weak, then I am strong and so the lord delights in showing himself strong even in our weaknesses and then he gets all the glory because obviously it's not us but it's him doing these things so i have a lot to learn still i have a lot of decluttering to do still I probably will never arrive and be as organized as I want to be, but I'm making progress. And so that is encouraging. I hope that's encouraging to you. If you also may be struggling in this area or any area, just to remember in in your weakness, he can be strong through you. So thank you for joining me today. I'd love it when you reach out and let me know that you're listening to the podcast. I love it if you share the podcast. I love to hear from you. I'd love to hear topics that you would like me to address on the podcast. I just love communication. You can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and check out my YouTube channel as well, Constantly Abiding Too Far. So God bless you until we meet again. appreciate you tuning into this episode and if you've been encouraged by what you have heard would you consider leaving a review or a star rating for the podcast those reviews and ratings go so far in helping other ladies to find the podcast also for more encouragement i invite you to check out my website legacyhomeschoolreflections.com may the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you And I will look forward to talking with you next time. Goodbye for now.